Now you know why God didn't call me in a stand-up comedy. What's over here? Huh? First amen I've gotten in months over here. Unbelievable. We're going to look at 1 John, and we're going to look at verses 8 to 10, and, um, and really study this out here. Um, I'm really enjoying uh, the book of 1 John. It is packed with amazing stuff. And, and really, we're going to talk about a right response to sin because of the world that we live in. There's a lot of confusion out there. Yes. If you were to ask somebody on the street, what is sin? What is sin? They may give you the mama definition. Anybody know? I know it's Father's Day, but let's pick on mamas. Do you know the mama definition of sin? Are you ready for this? The mama definition is, it's a sin to what? Waste food. Eat your food. It's a sin. You've left all that on your plate. I used to hear that growing up. Jeremy, eat it all. What a sin. There's people starving in the world. And you're leaving that on there and you feel so guilty. You, uh, you start. I remember my, my, my father and my stepmother one time, they got into a little argument. He came home from a long day work. And, uh, and she gave him one piece of chicken. And he said, Lou, this is all you give me? One piece of chicken? I, I can't believe what's going on. And, and, and she goes, be thankful. There's many starving people in the world. And my dad, with his sense of humor, said, yeah, and I'm one of them. Give me more. <laughs> we like to say it's a sin to waste food. But really, what is sin? As we, we think about it, let me give you Grudem's definition here. We may define sin as, as follows. Sin is any failure to conform to the moral law of God. So it always has to do with failing the moral law of God. Don't, don't miss this part of it. In, in act or actions, we could say, you know, murder is wrong and adultery is wrong. Those are actions. But it even goes beyond actions. Attitudes. In fact, Jesus talks about the very heart, that if you get angry in your heart, it is equal as what? Murder. And if you lust in your heart, it's equal as adultery. It's the same as adultery. So there's heart issues as well. And where do those heart issues come? They come from our nature. Thank you, Adam and Eve. We are sinners because we have a sin nature. And so when we talk about sin, we have to define it like the Bible defines it. It is a failure to conform to the moral law of God, whether it's my actions, whether it's my attitude, or whether it's the very nature that I have being born in this world. You say, why is that important? Well, there are people, and even in churches, who rarely ever talk about their sin. They, they mention sins of others. But they rarely talk about their own sin and what they have done against God. 
And if you look here, we're going to see, as we saw last week, hindrances to our fellowship with God and others. As we studied 1 John, we looked at verses 5 to 7, and the first hindrance is this. We say we're right with God. We're telling people we have fellowship with God. Everything is right with God. That's lip service. But our lives, we're walking in darkness. We are not living out what God wants us to live out. So our lives contradict our lips. But we think we're okay when we're not okay. That's the first hindrance to our fellowship with God. And then look at our second hindrance to our fellowship with God. We're going to look at today our failure to own up to our own sins. We have a hard time doing that. And you say, why is that? Well, we're going to talk about it in a moment. Look at 1 John Verse 8, look at the claim that some people were making here. They were saying this, if we say, here's the lip service, if we say we have no what? Sin. So here are these people in the church that are saying this, they're saying we now walk in light and now our sin nature has been eradicated so we have no propensity to sin. Wow, what a, I don't know about you, but I have a propensity to sin every day of my life. But yet these people are saying, you know what? We don't have to deal with sin. We don't have that propensity to sin anymore. We have no sin. Now we walk in light. We're fine. Look at the next claim here in verse 10. If we say that we have not sinned. So not only are they talking about no propensity to sin, but now they're saying we don't have any particular sins. We're not guilty of sins throughout the day. We have no guilt. We don't have to confess anything. We are fine. It's amazing. It's amazing. I, I find it so amazing when people are caught in crimes, how they plead not guilty when they're guilty. We just saw the 17-year-old boy that was killed, and they caught the three guys that did it, and they pleaded what? Not guilty. These are the people saying, I'm not guilty of acts of sin. I'm not guilty of having a sin nature. I am not guilty. I don't do it. You say, I've never done that. I'll never do that. Oh, you won't? Here's why we're doing this in, in churches today. Because there are many ways to deny sin. Watch this. This is amazing. There are euphemisms for sin. Watch this with different words for sin. It used to be that we would call it adultery. You know what we call it now? Having an affair. It's a fling. People call it a fling. It used to be that we defined it as living in sin. They're living in sin. They're not, they're not married. They're living in sin. Now we call it what? They're living together. They're fine. Look at other words. Prostitution. That used to be wrong. You know what it is now? Now they want to be called sex industry workers. How about this one? Abortion. Oh, don't call it abortion. It's called terminating a pregnancy. We don't want to call sin, sin. Look at this next one. Pro-death. Oh, we don't want to call it pro-death. We're pro-choice, right? So, so we're, we, it's our bodies. We do what we want. So we're pro-choice. Instead of calling it what? Pro-death. Murder. That's what it is. How about this one? Sodomy. Oh, we don't call it sodomy anymore. We call it one sexual preference. We say we have no sin. You want to know what makes this even harder? As a pastor... And as a church, is that we have a tremendous confusion, and my heart breaks over this, over physical mental issues and spiritual heart issues. 
where everything now is a disease rather than a behavior. So when a child disobeys and yells at mommy and daddy and throws a tantrum on the floor, it's not because that child is a sinner, it's because that child has HDHD, whatever it is, ADHD, whatever it is. I can't even know the words yet. You know how many disorders there are out there? Here's what's amazing. They just keep coming out with name after name. There's almost 400 out there. And psychiatrists love them. You know why? Because they love to deal with the physical issues. And they're making a lot of money off of people. And giving them no hope without ever dealing with the spiritual issues. And we're trying to cure sin with prescription drugs and psychotherapy. Because we can't call sin, sin. Now, don't take me wrong. Because my heart breaks when people are struggling with physical issues. And there are some physical issues. So be careful when somebody comes up to you and says, I'm discouraged today, I'm depressed. You're a sinner. It's not always that. There are things that do happen to people physically. I was studying about bipolar and what, what all that is. Want to hear something amazing about this? You know, only 2% of the nation, they say, deals with bipolar, if you want to call it bipolar. And here's what's interesting about bipolar. Kids up to 13 really don't deal with it. It hits people from 14 to 60. Now listen to this. After 60, they don't deal with it. So something's going on in between those ages. And so what is going on? So there's some kind of effects going on in the brain or something's going on. And, and they'll go to, they'll get prescription drugs and they'll get psychotherapy and they're trying to deal with it. And they're using some of those mental stuff as an excuse for their sin. Because they're disobeying God in certain areas and they're saying, I have to disobey God because I'm this label. What a world we live in. How do you deal with that as a pastor? Your heart breaks. You say, well, maybe you do have some kind of physical issue going on, but it does never excuses you for sinning against God and others. Look what Jesus said here. He said this, he goes, from within, out of the heart of men, proceeds the evil thoughts, the fornication, the thefts, the murders, the adulteries, the deeds of coveting and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride. Okay, should we go on to more list here? Foolishness. All these evil things proceed from where? From within and defile the man. There's definite heart issues that are not being dealt. But because we, leave, we live right now in a disease model society, rather than a behavior model society, we confuse what sin really is. And so we, we excuse it. And guess what? When we excuse it, we do not take responsibility for it. If I can excuse it somehow and blame it somehow on the brain or something else, I, I, can, I can excuse my sinful actions and I could live my life without ever confessing sin. I'll never forget when I was in Argentina with a, a, a young man named Christian. His name was Christian. 
And he started to do things against his parents. He started to do drugs and he started to do different things. The parents didn't know what to do. So you know what they did? They put him in a crazy house. Well, let me tell you something. If you've ever been in a crazy house, like there is in Argentina, where you walk in and they're screaming. It was the saddest place I've ever been in my life. My heart was broken. I walk in and I see this kid who's struggling doing drugs who they drugged to stop doing drugs. And he's all drugged up and he can hardly talk and he's sitting there and he's just all very quiet and everything and, and, and just and, and people are screaming in this house. Ah, rah, ah, rah, and you're trying to talk to him. I said, where have we come? It's all of a sudden a disease model rather than a behavior model and they're drugging him to stop him from doing drugs. Praise the Lord that, that God got a hold of this kid's heart. I saw him on the streets months later. I think it was maybe in a year later. And he was happy. He was smiling. And I said, what happened to you? He says, now I'm living for God. We live in some sick society right now. And really, so what do we do? Well, look what he says here, John. He says this. This is amazing. Here's what he says in 1 John 1.8. Let's go back to this. If we say that we have no sin, listen to this. If we start excusing our sin, renaming it, reclassifying it, blaming it on certain disorder, labels or whatever it may be, when we start doing that, guess what we're doing? We're deceiving ourselves. You see that there? The, the word deceiving there in the Greek is the word for planet. Literally, he's saying is, what planet are you living on? You're living on a different planet. You're, you're deceiving yourself. You're believing a lie. You're, and, and you're the one believing this because you're only deceiving yourself. You're not deceiving others. And you're definitely not deceiving God. But yourself. You're making yourself this victim of your circumstances. And, and you're deceiving yourself thinking that I don't have any I don't, This is just because of my parents were this way. Or because my mind is this way. Or because this is we living deceiving ourselves. And not only that, he says in verse 8, he says, the truth is not in us. We're not living truth. We're living a lie. We're living without hope. We're saying that everything is, is not our fault and we're not owning up to it. It's amazing the deception out there when we believe that we're victims of our own circumstances. He says, the truth is not in us. Now, now watch, watch what he says. He also says this. Look at this in verse 10. He says, if we say that we have not sinned, guess what? We make him to be a what? Because guess what God says? Ready for this? I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the moment we start to excuse it, the moment we think that we're okay because we're victims and, and we can reclassify and we don't have to name it for what it is, the moment we do that, we are calling God a what? A liar. And guess what? His word, His Romans 3.23 is not in us. His Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. His John 3.16 is not in us, for God so loved the world. 
Why did he send them? Because we're sinners. To save us. His Romans 5.8 is not in us. For, for God demonstrated his love towards us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. His word is not in us when we're making these excuses and reclassifying things that God says in his word. So what's the response that we ought to have? Are you ready for this? Let's look at verse 9 and let's study this out. We are to confess our sins. Now, now watch this. This is, this is beautiful. We are to confess our sins. You say, Jeremy, I know this verse. What, what does it mean? Look what the word confess means. The word confess, and if you can say that in Greek, I'll give you 10 bucks. The word con- confess means this. It means to say the same thing. Now listen to this. It means to agree. I love what Rick says. This is the best. He said, I would agree you were right, but then we would both be wrong. (laughs) Now listen to this. That's a bad one. Agree. Watch this. To concede. To admit. To confess. To acknowledge. You want to know what this word means? Look what Wordsby says. True confession is naming sin. It is calling it by the name what God calls it. We have no right to rename sin. We must call it what God calls it. Envy is, guess what? Envy. Hatred is hatred. Lust is lust. Deceit is deceit. Lies are lies. So when we confess our sins, we're saying to God, I was envious. And your word says don't do that. I was mad to the point I wanted to really rip that guy's head off. I I hated that person. Lord, my mind, I'm lusting. Lord, we call it what God calls it. We agree with what God says about it. We don't minimize it. We don't reclassify it. We don't rename it. We don't let the world name it. We let God name it. And then we say it. Wow. To confess... (laughs) And it's a continual action. We continually confess. And here's the question I have. How wide should our confession be? Well, some people say, yeah. I know I was short with my wife today, so I just confessed it to God and go on with my day. No. You know how wide the confession is? As wide as the offense is. So if I blow up my wife, I have to go before God and I have to go before my wife. If I blow it with my kids, I have to go before God and I have to go before my children. If I blow it before the church, I have to go before God and I have to go before who? As wide as it is, is as wide as we confess it. He doesn't say to who, he says confess the sins. We, we, we know and understand it is to God, but we know how wide it is the confession must be. It must, it's going to the person and not just saying this to them, I'm sorry for the other day. That's not naming anything. This is naming it. I'm sorry, Katie, I was short the other day. And I was pretty mean with my words. So forgive me. And of course you'll say, earn it. No, I should end it. <laughs> There's a way to get back at people when they ask for confession, right? I find the amazing thing. One time I, I, I did something at a camp 
I was in, working at a Jewish camp. I, first, I recently got saved. And I said something I shouldn't have said. And I went before one of the guys and I said to him, I'm sorry I said this. And you know what the guy said? Why are you telling me this? Get out of here. That may be the response, but God doesn't say who, about the response there of people. He's going to tell us about his response. We are to confess. We are to name it what it is. We are not to reclassify it, minimize it, or say anything like that. And here's what happens. Here's God's response to our confession. And we ought to see this. This is, this is so wonderful. This is a beautiful verse. Look what it says here. It says, if we confess our sins, plural, which means every day of our lives we sin. There isn't a day that goes by that there's not a stray thought. There isn't a day that goes by that there isn't an attitude that doesn't please God. There isn't a day that goes by that there aren't words that we ought not to say. We live confessing and living up to it. And guess what he does? It says he is faithful. Now don't miss that. I'll stop right there. He is faithful. You know what that means? He is going to do what he promised in his word. And we're going to see what he promised in his word. He will never turn his back. He will do exactly what he promised. We can depend upon God. And he is righteous. You know what that means? Is that he's going to do it because he's looking always with a view to the cross. That Jesus died for all those sins. And so he is faithful and he is righteous. And here's what he's going to do. He's going to forgive it. He's going to release it. Literally, what, what it means to forgive is to send away. Because here's what happens when we sin. Our fellowship with God is hindered. So what he does is he takes that, what was ever hindered once we confess it, and sends it away. It's gone. You say, show me in the Bible where it talks about his forgiveness. Let me give you a few verses. I love this. Hebrews 8.12. It says this, for I will be merciful to their iniquities and I will remember their sins. How often? Now, God doesn't forget anything. He doesn't say, oh, wow, what did you do last week? Oh, he knows everything. Past, present, and future. But guess what? When he says he doesn't remember, he is choosing actively not to hold them against us. That's our God. He says, I won't actively, I will actively not hold these sins against you. I will be merciful. You say, show me something else. Psalm 103 verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. How far is the east is from the west? You know, you didn't ever meet, so it's gone. Look at this next one. Isaiah 38, 17. I love this one. For lo, it says, lo, for my, my own welfare, I have great bitterness it is you who have kept my soul from the pit of nothingness. For you have cast all my sins where? Behind your back. They're gone. They're gone. And look at the next one. Micah 7.19 He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. Yes, you will cast all their sins into where? Into the depths of the sea. They're gone. They're gone. Somebody says, but I can't stop thinking about it. And Satan has a way to bring him back. But let me tell you something. That's the moment where you rest in the truth found in 1 John 1.9. If we confess them, they're gone. They're gone. Satan will bring them back. But remember what you did? That? They're gone. Thank you, Lord. 
You are faithful. You are righteous. You are, they're gone. You send them away. And look what he also does. This is amazing what God does here. It says in verse 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to what? To cleanse us. Remember we saw that last week, the cleansing of the blood of Jesus Christ and how he cleanses us. You know why? Because sin stains and, and there's a stink to, to sin and it leaves its mark on us. But he has a way of removing that so it wouldn't hinder our fellowship with him. I'll tell you one thing. I missed our kids this week. We really missed them. They came back from camp and they stunk like camp. <laughs> there was a unique smell in my children that I haven't smelled in a long time. I said, you better take a nice long shower and get this stink off you. I love you and missed you, but man, alive, is it hard to be close to you now? Let me tell you what sin does. It stinks stains but guess what he is faithful and righteous to remove that stench and restore our fellowship to him now now don't miss this it's not the confession that cleanses us it's always the blood of jesus but it's the confession that brings us to the application of that and so be very careful to think okay i confess it's my confession that cleanses me no it is the blood of jesus that cleanses us and, and here's what's amazing in verse 9. He cleanses us from what? All unrighteousness. All our failures to conform to the moral law of God. That's sin. And what God does, all of those, every single one of those, He cleanses. What a wonderful God we serve. But here's the problem. Are we owning up to them? I, I didn't watch the trial between Amber Heard and Johnny Depp. Some of you guys may have gotten into that. I'm, neither one I like. I'm not a fan of either one of them. But I did watch the aftermath when they interviewed her and asked her about the trial and how she felt. And I couldn't believe this was said. The lady that was interviewing her said, you know what, all throughout this interview, and all throughout the trial, you haven't owned up to anything. Something's wrong here. Here's an unsaved lady telling another lady, you need to own up to what you've done. And I find it amazing that a lot of believers, every day of their lives, fail to own up to what they have done. When we have a faithful God who wants to forgive. Listen to this. This is, this is amazing. I, I, I found this from Chuck Swindoll. And we're going to end with this. This is beautiful. Look how he puts this into practice every day of his life. He says, first I begin each morning determined to walk all day in the light. I commit to it. Watch what he says here. He prays something like this. Lord, I don't know what the hours in front of me will hold. I have no idea the people I'll encounter, the challenges I'll face, the temptations I'll need to overcome. I don't know, this is a great way to put it, what tragedies, trials, or triumphs I'll experience today. I don't know what my health will be by the end of the day, but you do. 
So today I determine before you to walk in the light by your power. And as I come, he says here, to the forks in the road throughout the day, choices between darkness and light, guide me to the light. He says, I know I'm a sinner and in my own strength I cannot make this happen. Now watch this. After he prays that, then he goes through the day. And I love this. He goes through the day and he's aware of his own dark nature. Those who believe, oh, my sin nature has been eradicated. I'm fine. I won't sin. Oh, yes, you will. He's aware of his own dark nature. Listen to what he says here. In fact, there's never a day that goes by which I haven't entertained a stray thought, a bad attitude, a careless glance, a fool. This is a pastor. A foolish word or an offensive remark. But watch what he says here. But when I do, I confess it. I say the same thing God says about me. I'm a sinner and I call it what it is. Sin. I'll never forget when one pastor used to say, before he went to bed every night, he would ask God to forgive him for all his sins. And he realized this. I don't need forgiveness throughout the night. I need it throughout the day. But some people, before they go to bed, before they eat, Lord, forgive me if I've done anything against you. If. No, yes, you have. Watch this last thing he does. Finally, as the sun sets and the day draws to a close, I never forget to thank him for seeing me through. And then he writes this, It's not by my own might or power or some clever method or trick I've discovered that gets me through the day. It's only through his powerful transforming grace, his light that guides me deeper into the light. I fear how it's so easy to deceive ourselves and say, you know what? I didn't do anything wrong when we have. So let's be a church that owns up to it. Let's be parents that own up when we fail our little children, say, you know what? I made a mistake. Here it is. I sinned against you and name it for what it is. Don't blame the devil. Don't blame God. Don't blame your hard day, your circumstances. Don't blame the weather. If it wasn't so hot out, I wouldn't be irritable. Oh, yes, you would. Don't, don't, don't blame the pressures at work when you come home and say, Oh, I'm so sorry, honey. It was a tough day at work. Own up to it. Man up to it, if I could say on Father's Day. Be what God wants us to be. People who confess and realize there's only one God and we're not Him. There's only one that ever lived a perfect life and that's His name is Jesus Christ. So throughout the day when we realize our dark nature and we say things we ought not to and we think things we ought not to, in that moment we keep short accounts with God. And it's amazing the strong fellowship we have with Him. You see, the less and less we confess, the more distant we feel from God. And we say, what's going on in my life? I just feel like he's so far away. Well, when was the last time you owned up to what you've done? And it's just amazing as we do how he cleanses us and we walk closer to him. Let's not use the excuses. Let's not reclassify things. 
And definitely, let's not put the blame on others. Let's own up to it by God's grace. Let's pray. Father, I can't count how many times or how many days or weeks or months or even years have gone by where I've tried to minimize things or rename them or reclassify them or blame them on others rather than owning up to what I have done to you, to my wife, to my children, to those around me. It's so easy to excuse our behavior. In fact, we even fight with your word in our minds and we try to justify ourselves and say, oh, that wasn't too bad. That's okay. They'll get over it. When you say we ought to own up to it, that we ought to say the same thing that you say about it. Envy is envy. Hatred is hatred. Sinful anger is sinful anger. Lust is lust. So Lord, I pray right now in our hearts, if there's anything right now that you're bringing to mind, that we've been fighting to confess to you, that right now would be the time. We don't want our fellowship to be hindered with you. Thank you so much for being a God who is faithful and righteous. Let's just take a moment right now in our hearts before the Lord. Just you and God. Is there anything you haven't owned up to? Right now is the time. Lord, your word is clear. If we say the same thing that you say about our sin, you are faithful and righteous to not only forgive, send it away, but to cleanse us from the stench and the mark that it's left on our lives that stands in our way of our intimate fellowship with you. And you're a God that does that for all unrighteousness. Every time we don't live up to your moral standards, you forgive when we confess. Thank you for that. Thank you for being the perfect father. You've never failed us. You've never brought us down the wrong path. You've never led us astray. And yet, Lord, even when we do that against you, you're a father who always forgives. Thank you for being the perfect father. We love you. Help us, Lord. Help us not to use those excuses saying, oh, we don't have sin. We're, we're fine. <laughs> Help us, Lord, to truly own up to it, God. We need you. We want to walk in your light. We can't without your power. So thank you so much for this wonderful passage of Scripture. And I pray, oh God, that you would use it in our lives throughout today and throughout this week. 
that as we fail you, we would keep short accounts with you and rest in your forgiveness. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.